Hello everyone, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Cannabis Sativa. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa, both S's. Also check out our website at IamCannabisSativa.com. On this website, we have blog posts, links to the archives of the podcast, and other videos from cannabis experts of many walks of the field. You can find and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Anchor FM, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon and support us. We plan on doing big things with our humble projects, such as going to trade shows, visiting other MMJ or recreational states, and doing on-field work. By supporting us, it, it helps keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do that by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa podcast slash support. Again, one more time. It is HTTPS colon slash slash anchor dot FM. It's, it's dot FM, not dot com slash I am Cannabis Sativa podcast slash support. And today's episode is a special episode, as it is our 21st episode. If this episode was human, it would be old enough to buy recreational marijuana in a legal state. (laughs) I kid. But today's episode is a special one, as we have Lucy and Jared from the Lit and Lucid podcast. If you haven't checked out their work already, what the hell are you waiting for? It's pretty good stuff. They have excellent interviews from cannabis industry professionals, and I always come away learning a bunch more about the cannabis industry as a whole. And it's it's great having their perspective as cannabis professionals that are that are they're working in the cannabis industry, and they have a lot of good inside knowledge that people who are trying to get in the cannabis industry really need to know. Um, we chalked up some pretty good game on today's episode. We talked about Colorado's legalization journey. We talked about what things other legal states may encounter in their journey with ending cannabis prohibition. We also dispel some myths from alarmist prohibitionists about legalization having a negative impact. Without further ado, here's my interview with Lucy and Jared. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. I'm Lucy. I'm uh, Mr. Sativa. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> anonymous. Yeah, for now. This is Jared. Hey, Jared. <laughs> yeah, this is Lucid. <laughs> Lucid? How's your day going, brother? Uh, pretty good. How about how about your days? Good. Just okay. about done with the day. Days go by quickly. Need more time. It's <laughs> never enough time in the day. <laughs> exactly. There's not. Cool. Well, I'm we're here. excited to be on your show. Thanks for asking. 
Well, thanks for appearing on my show. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a great pleasure to have you guys on. For sure. Uh, we read over what you uh, want to talk about, so we've got some notes for that. Um, are you going to be recording, or do you need us to record for you? Or um, I I set up recording on my end, but it'd be great. But it'd be nice if you can do it as well, too. Okay. Then give us a second to set that up. Will do. <clears throat> Where are you located in uh, Michigan? Um, Massachusetts. Oh, Massachusetts. Okay. And so, is it rec or medical there right now, or nothing, or what is it? Um, so it's recreational. Um, they've we voted on it in 2016, and um, we just had our first stores open, believe it or not, in um, like two days before Thanksgiving, believe it or not. Oh wow. Yeah. How is that going? Um, I mean, it's it's going pretty good. Um, um, because of like a lot of delays with um like bands and monitoriums and various like towns, there was just sort of a lot of politics with that. And um, the um, from what I read, like I read like an article like a couple days ago saying that in like the past week or so, we've sold about two million in in revenue so far. So it's going pretty good but there's just been some growing pains with it yeah for sure um so could you guys talk about like um what made you guys wanna um be in the cannabis industry like what 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 why did you choose cannabis as opposed to other things do you want us to talk about that now or during the podcast um you can talk about that now Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've always, well, I'm not always, um, I started smoking in college. I was like a type A personality. So I found that cannabis really just kind of allowed me to like calm down and kind of center myself a little bit more. And at the same time I found yoga. Uh, so I've been doing cannabis yoga together since about 2011 and really cannabis and yoga have been really the only constant things in my life since then. So I've just kind of naturally, you know, kind of turned towards the industry, always just looking for an opportunity to, you know, work in the industry or do something uh, within cannabis. And then I founded Green Love Denver back in 2017, uh, where we started as a blog. And then now I also teach cannabis yoga classes. Um, but <clears throat> I just would like look for an opportunity in the industry to kind of enter it. And I just find that the plant's a very supportive thing for myself, and I see it's being beneficial to others as well. So I just always wanted to be involved, and the podcast kind of evolved as a way for us to educate consumers as well. Uh, so we thought that that was a really good venue to kind of enter into the space, also. Awesome. Um, I I remember in like one of your episodes, you guys were saying that like your target demographic for your podcast is millennials. Did, did I have that correct? Yeah, definitely at the very beginning it was. Uh, that was really our focus. That was also my focus of Green Love Denver was millennials. But kind of as this has evolved and both companies have really evolved, we've realized, you know, obviously millennials are not the only ones smoking weed. Uh, while we're millennials and we smoke weed, there's definitely other age groups as well that are interested. And I know that you wanted to touch base on like the seniors. And I think that they are a really good age group that might be interested in cannabis as well. Um, so we're kind of just trying to, you know, kind of pull back a little bit and make it a little less niche and more kind of general audience. Um, I kind of feel like we're sort of converging in a way because um 
like like when I first conceived of the podcast like like first and foremost I wanted to sort of like like the reason why I sort of did what I did with this podcast is that like although I'm pretty happy that we have 10 states about 10 states that have legalized for recreational purposes I just don't feel that the progress is going fast enough you know like even in even in my state that is just legalized you still have lots of people who have who have reefer madness sort of mentality you still have people that are, are that don't that are putting bans in, in 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 localities you still have you know there's still there's just still a lot of baggage and it's not so much with our generation as millennials but i i i feel like with like the over 40 population there's there's so many that there's so many people that have health issues and health problems and you know they heard cannabis might help them and they're on the fence but for career or or, or child raising reasons they they there's there's still on the fence about it so i'm just trying to sort of bring cannabis to a new audience but at the same time like from what i've been doing with this podcast i've I've noticed that millennials, like I, I, I'm one as well, or or my main, or I, I would say my predominant demographic. But I'm definitely trying to get like the swing cannabis user. If you get my drift. Yeah, sure. I could communicate on that. What what we've seen, even with that, is is that you're correct, mainly because uh, millennials are more privy to podcasts, even. Um, so we we we've what we've had to do to try to broaden our base a little bit has been to try to uh, like push other media outlets and push Facebook more and convert to video. And, um, I think the next is try to do more like long form where we're transcribing our episodes and putting that into like a blog form, putting that out there. But yeah, I mean, right now, if you're just on a podcast and you're doing cannabis, you're definitely, you know, funneling yourself down to where that's all you're going to end up with if you do a podcast. So I feel you there. Yeah. Um, so, like, so, um, so with that, um, did, like, what were, like, what were, like, the initial challenges that Colorado had, in, in, in your opinion, with, with getting cannabis off the ground? Like, um, like, what were, like, what were things that were done well, and what, what were things you, you feel that the state could have done differently? That's a... That could be a very deep question. Um, you know, it's, it's always easy to kind of look back and have, you know, perfect vision looking back and, you know, being on Colorado for all the things I guess they should have changed um, from legalization. But the reality of it is Colorado is one of the first states that, that legalized in the U.S. and the world and really put the framework into place of trying to you know legalize cannabis. And then what in the hell does that look like? within the framework of the government, within the framework of like a retail space, and then also all the other facets that come along with it, the extraction and, and all that as well. Um, so, you know, I don't want to knock Colorado or anybody saying, that, you know, they should have done anything differently. I think what's come about though, is some things where they've realized that, hey, things have changed and, you know, we don't know everything because we are the first people. So there's definitely been some things they've realized and had to change. And then some things that are looming that still need to change to make it, you know, more reasonable and, and easier for people to access it, consume it. Um, I think one of those that's, you know, like glaring at the elephant in the room is the social consumption. 
And it's something that, uh, you know, Lucy encounters almost weekly with her yoga. And then I know other people encounter tourists encounter it daily with, you know, buying stuff and not having any place to consume. And, you know, other states are coming online now and they're also having that same issue. And I think it's really been the one that stand out. It's like, oh, great. Now, you know, cannabis is legal, but you still can't legally consume it anywhere in a way beyond your house if you own your house. Um, you know, and I think that's stuff that Lucy can probably touch on more. Yeah, I'd love to love to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, are you recording now or no? Um, yeah, I'm recording. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't know if you wanted us to turn on the recording too. That's what I didn't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm set. I I have it recorded. Okay. We I just didn't know if we were actually live. I apologize. It's okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So like in terms of uh, social consumption, it's definitely an issue. Um, there's no legal spaces where we can actually go and consume for like a private yoga event or something like that. So right now it has to be in a residential space or, you know, like a company that's allowing us to do that on a private, you know, basis offline, off hours, things like that. So that's definitely one of the hurdles Colorado is facing right now that, you know, they did pass these laws for legalization saying, you know, yeah, you can consume. Um, legally over 21, but there's no place for people to be consuming. Um, it's also an issue for like tourists. So a lot of tourists come to Colorado for the cannabis and they don't have really any place to go um, to consume it responsibly. So that's bringing up definitely a concern. And I think Colorado, you know, is really not moving forward with that quickly. Um, California, I think, is doing a little bit better of a job, and it looks like uh, Las Vegas is looking more into what that would look like with cannabis consumption as well as alcohol in the same space. So I think Colorado has a lot to do in terms of social consumption, and it's definitely a concern moving forward. Um, I, I, I remember reading something about how um, Denver, um, like, like, did you guys have like a ballot initiative to legalize social consumption? Like, what, what was the progress with that? So, yeah, so they uh, legalized it. What would it be in, geez, 2016, 2017 mm -hmm. now? Um, and there, there's still just not been too much progress. I mean, right now, I think they've got a framework in place where businesses can apply, and they could apply to, to have one of those social consumption licenses, I guess, as you may, where people can consume on site of their business. The problem with those is they've made it so restrictive that companies or anybody, there's so many hurdles you have to jump through and so much money and you know preponderance you have to put into it that it's almost not even worth doing for a ton of the companies. And on top of that, it still doesn't really solve the issue of social consumption and you, you know what people are really asking for aka like being able to consume in their car maybe you know while it's you know parked in their you know parking lot or something or um, you know consuming outside their house and their back porch or you know there's just like little things where where do people consume you know if you don't own your house you know, there's nowhere for you to do it so um, I don't think they've really gone too far with it and sort of to, like latch on to that question um, it just seems like, I mean, I don't, like, I, from what I've heard, from what I've heard, um, you're, you guys just elected, um, Jared Polis for, uh, for governor, and he was part of the, um, he was part of the Cannabis Caucus in Congress, so it seems that you guys have, like, a pro, like, you guys are electing pro-cannabis politicians that are sort of sympathetic to the, um, concerns of, of, of cannabis users. Um, how, 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 what, what are your thoughts on that? 
Um, well, I mean, we definitely, you know, don't know what Jared Polis is doing yet since he just got elected. I know right now in Denver, uh, we have a mayor who's making it very difficult to kind of pass these laws and move forward with things. So while, you know, we might have overarching support, you know, from senators and things like that, um, down more at the local level, I think that's kind of where you see maybe the more of the disconnect. Um, at a more localized level. So that's one of the things here in Denver that they've been pushing towards. They can't really get any traction, you know, with the government right now as it is. Um, and then I know that you were also interested in kind of how different cities were addressing these types of concerns. And you have more conservative cities, you know, that are taking a stance against cannabis as well. Uh, so I think that's more of a localized issue at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of seeing the same thing with like my home state of Massachusetts. Like, um, my my hometown and like the, the 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 city i was born in like and even the neighboring cities and like the immediate five or ten miles have have put bans like they put bans immediately when recreational passed in 2016 and it, it seems that it's like mostly like the city and like where the colleges are that have sort of legalized it or have not or have, have sort of approved retail sales and it's 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 like you you guys just said um it, a lot of it is on the local level and i also feel that like with um with a lot of these like local meetings they're they're during times where people are at work like i i mean i i have a job during the day and stuff so i, I can't really attend these meetings so you're you're often you're often seeing like a overrepresentation of sort of older people that might be predisposed to be against it in, in a sense is, is, is that is that an accurate assessment yeah absolutely um, I just saw even a social consumption meeting was the other day that I wanted to go to and I pulled it up and it was like at 1040 on like a Wednesday and I'm like well we can't go to that like so yeah, I definitely agree with that point. And I think Jared could probably speak on kind of like how Pueblo's lack of support towards cannabis has been, even though there's such a large presence of the industry bringing in revenue into that city. Yeah, I mean, I think you see it everywhere. What, I, what I've seen, and you know, I'll just be blunt about it, is that you know there's an older, predominantly white population that uh, is really against it. And I think what they see is that they see a, a super fear of drugs and other things coming into the community yet they don't see the other positives that come with it. And that's, you know, the, the medicinal benefit, which is clearly there. I mean, we have, uh, we have the first prescription drug just got approved a couple months ago for epilepsy. Uh, there's a pipeline of, you know, a host of other drugs that are online, let alone of the, you know, thousands and, you know, hundreds of thousands of anecdotal, you know, stories already coming out where people are curing their cancer or doing other things with it. Uh, and then you can go to the economic benefit. I mean, the tax revenue it brings in. I just seen a stat just before we started this podcast that for one dollar, for every one dollar spent in a retail store, there's three dollars of revenue generated in the local economy. Um, and there's so many other aspects. The criminal aspect, marijuana should have never been legal, illegal in the first place. If you want to track back its origin, it was 100% politically motivated. Um, and so what I think you see now is there's a, like I said, an older white population that is really against a very conservative, um, doesn't you know like change, and it's these uh, hot spots where those folks live, you know, in the rural areas and you know really conservative areas of your states, things like that. That's really pushing it down, and that's where, like, like Lucy said, you see that local resistance to where you know local communities can still ban it, and then it makes it harder as a state or as you know a company within that state to enterprise in and move forward because there's too many restrictions around it locally. Um, 
And, you know, as the world moves towards legalization, I think that's 100% going to be the detriment of some of these communities that they're not capitalizing on the revenue or the medicinal aspect of it or even the social aspect of it where it brings about a community of people who are not stoners. They're well-educated individuals who choose cannabis over alcohol. And, you know, through our experience, I can greatly tell you that, you know, you 10 years from now, you're going to look back and you'd rather have a group of, you know, so-called stoners living in your community than alcoholics because they're much better stewards to the environment, uh, to the social communities, and to those around them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of in-depth, but that's kind of the, the state of the, the landscape. Awesome. Um, so, like, so with regards to, um, like, um, sort of, like, sort of, um, like, the myths I've sort of been hearing, um, I just hear a lot of, like, like, I read, I read pretty much everything, but I hear, like, a lot of, like, like, I know, I, I intellectually know these are myths, but I just want to address it, sort of, for our, for the audience, so we could sort of refute these talking points. Is there any truth to some of, like, the alarmist claims that many children had, or, or had to go to the hospital for THC poisoning, or that legalizing marijuana has sort of led to more accidents um what i've heard is that in that colorado they they your population has been growing so much that you can't really attribute it to marijuana itself when you have millions or hundreds of thousands of more people moving to a state you're you're gonna have more accidents and more things going on yeah yeah, so I was researching before the podcast as well, kind of on that point, and I think you hit it exactly. Um, it was saying, you know, that there was an increase of, you know, um, like, uh, I don't even know, like, incidents where people were using marijuana in their car, they were intoxicated while driving using marijuana, and then it said that there was more accidents, but then it also said that there was more DUIs, and then it also said that it was because that there's an increase in population and there's an increase in accidents overall. Um, and then it also concluded that, you know, it's really hard to say if marijuana was exactly, you know, the reasoning behind that because marijuana can stay in your blood system for so long. And it's really hard to track, you know, if you just took the weed, you know, right before you started driving or if it was four hours ago or the day before or whatever it might be. So I think that there's so many variables with weed that it's kind of hard to really hone in and say, yes, exactly. Like that overdose was due to marijuana or yes, whatever that death was caused because of that. So I think that people are just making a lot of loose correlations probably just to prove their points. But as you mentioned, you know, there's so many other factors, there's increases in population and all these other types of things that I think it's hard to really just say, yes, you know, weed is definitely causing all of these things, which in fact is probably, you know, decreasing a lot of these concerns as well. Yeah. So, so I can contribute to that a little bit. So, um, the Institute of Cannabis Research was founded in 2016 at uh, Colorado State University, Pueblo. And they were founded as a more of a governing body of education to start researching, you know, the impacts of different, you know, aspects of cannabis and then, you know, get real hard facts on, you know, the issues surrounding those things. And so what they did in 2017 is they did an impact study in Pueblo County, the local area, to find out as cannabis impact it socially, economically, and, you know, medicinally in ways that, you know, people claim or that, you know, negatives, negatives and positives. What they found in their study was that there's 100% a net positive gain from cannabis being introduced legally into the community of Pueblo in almost every single facet. And they actually, you know, proved a lot of those things that you mentioned wrong. You know, they had an instance of babies showing up with THC in their system 
in the hospitals. Well, yeah, that is true. There's definitely that happens. But if you dig back in the research, you find that that's happened before. It wasn't with legalization that it increased. In reality, when you dig into the numbers, it was like a total of like eight babies in the entire year that had THC in their system. So people are taking data and maybe they had six from you know six from the year before and then eight this year. Well, that's you know you know twenty five or forty percent increase. You know they're taking just plain numbers and running with them and you know saying things that aren't really based in fact. And when you look at the facts, you realize that those things aren't really happening. You're actually seeing a, a decrease in crime and violent crimes. Um, you're seeing an increase in uh, you know the, the economic well-being of these areas. Um, I just seen the other day in Pueblo County alone. I think marijuana tax contributes to between seven and nine percent of the total, uh, you know, general um, budget essentially for the county, which is huge in such a short amount of time. And and then medicinally, you're starting to see people, uh, you know, report you know wellness increases as well. You know, less anxiety, less stress, and a better uh, quality of life from these products as well. So, I think what you're seeing is that there is a lot of people claiming things on both sides, but. You know, there's a lot of institutions who are doing real hard research, and that's what you need to do is you need to, you know, search out those institutions, read their research, read their studies, and realize that, you know, at the end of the day, there is a net positive to cannabis legalization. So, so to sort of tack on to that, so you would just sort of recommend, like, when, when, like, if I, like, for example, if I were to have someone saying those points, so just direct them to those sort of studies that sort of refute that, right? Yeah. I mean, the best way to do that, absolutely, is at the end of the day to combat, you know, misnomers with facts. And that's 100% what I would do. I wouldn't even sit there and try to argue with them. I'd say just go to these institutions who are accredited institutions with, you know, real people that are trying to fight real issues, and here's what they found. And then don't take it from one, you know, research other ones, research, you know, the, the universities, the organizations, the nonprofits out there. I mean, there's information out there. People just are going to have to do the work themselves to find it. And, you know, that's really at, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, I could sit here and tell somebody all day what cannabis does, but they're not going to believe me until they research it and come to that conclusion themselves. Awesome. Um, so, um, so with regards to like cannabis and like it being more prevalent in um, Colorado, both for recreational and medical purposes, um, as a whole, like sort of just in like your everyday lives, do you notice that, um, it's just do you notice it's treated with less stigma and taboo particularly amongst like let's say the over 40 crowd that might have kids or you know that might be a senior level professional for example uh, I think you're still going to get that stigma no matter where you're at, whether it's legal or not. I mean, there's always going to be people who are against cannabis. And I think that the older generations are kind of by default going to be against cannabis, you know, from the bat. So I think that's just something that you have to be aware of. Um, I know like when we're out and about, like we're not like super open about our cannabis consumption. If the topic comes up, you know, we'll talk to people about it. But I, I still think you're definitely going to get those concerns. You know, like when we go home for the holidays, we don't really say what we do in weed. Um, it's more of like a general conversation. So I think, you know, there's definitely still going to be those people out there. But I think, you know, back to the last point we just all made, it's really going to be the consumers that are going to have to take that stance and decide 
decide if they'd like to be educated on the subject or not and, you know, kind of update their thoughts and viewpoints on it. And that's really how we're going to move forward with all this positive information, accurate information about cannabis and its benefits. That's how we're going to move forward from that stigma of people, you know, being against it and, you know, just thinking we're, you know, stoners and lazy and all the things that are definitely not true. Um, would you also sort of um, say that, um, like, with that, um, now that it's been sort of legal, um, has there been, like, less companies um, drug testing? Um, I still remember, like, reading, like, a story about a direct TV employee, in, I believe in Colorado, who was fired for his off-duty use. Yeah, that's my favorite case to cite, so goodness to that. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's still federally illegal. So employers have the right to continue to drug test people based on the fact that it would be federally illegal for them to be consuming cannabis. Um, I've also, a uh, funny side story is I work for an employment law firm, so I kind of hear these stories all the time. But it, it becomes tricky when people are using medical cannabis. So they've gone through the whole process in Colorado and have a med card. And so they're using it for a medicinal purpose. And, you know, they drug test at work, like say they're like a um, like a driver or something or I don't even know, but something when they, they had a drug test. And so then that person's going to come up hot on a drug test. Uh, but they're like legally in Colorado allowed to medicinally use this plant for its benefits, but federally it would be illegal. So the federal is still going to kind of trump state law in those situations. Um, you do have companies, you know, that are just, you, you have the right as an employer to drug test or not. So, you know, there's definitely companies who choose not to, or, you know, look sideways. A lot of cannabis friendly companies hopefully are not drug testing for cannabis. Uh, there are definitely some who are still, so it's really up to the employer on kind of how what they want to do. Right. Um, and um, sort of to 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 jump back at um, to sort of um, to sort of change gears a bit. Um, so with with cannabis in in Colorado. I, I noticed it's like some states, I, I believe Washington state, I, I, I went there and visited the, there last year. They, they sort of merged their medical and recreational. And I heard Jared say in, the, in, in one of the other podcasts that in Colorado, they're trying to merge medical and recreational. Um, what would you say to someone who's like, oh, I don't really need a medical card anymore. I can just pop into a recreational dispensary and, and get my medicine and I don't have to be in a government list. Is there still an advantage to being a medical patient? Uh, in Colorado, I think there's a, a few, <clears throat> mainly or the, the old selling points were that it was cheaper and that you, you know, the, the amount of products you can purchase has increased. So there's definitely still some positives to having a medical card. In Colorado, just for instance, I know uh, recreationally you can only, only can, can't say consume, but you can only purchase one ounce of uh, marijuana for a transaction or basically per day, I mean, is the law, I believe. Mm. Um, and uh, for a medical patient, you can purchase two ounces, and that's of a flower and concentrate. So that's where, you know, if somebody uses that much in a day, I guess, you know, that's where it'd probably be beneficial, but in the reality, um, maybe it saves them a trip, things like that. Uh, the other side of it is that the, like, edibles and stuff are more than 100 milligrams, I think, and recreationally it's capped at 100 milligrams. Um, Medically, I'm not really sure if it's capped at anything. Uh, I mean, it's definitely probably capped at something, but you see edibles upwards of like 200 milligrams, um, so they're much more potent. 
So there's definitely um, some, still some benefits. Um, but I mean, I've operated in the legal system, the plant touching side and seen the whole thing. And I think it can definitely be merged into one because there's no need to have medical. Um, and Lucy pulled up some stats luckily before the podcast. And it's this nice article that just came out and is about how the medical market in Colorado is essentially dying. Um, and I think that's because it's becoming standardized. A lot of these vertically integrated businesses are getting bought. Um, the landscape's kind of changing back from when it all started and with, you know, the medical with Colorado and really there's a way I think to serve both sides through one outlet and maybe, you know, the medical card is still important. Maybe that's, you know, having a medical card, you can, you know, maybe have those increased purchase limits. But, um, I do think over time it will probably be a merge system to where it'll be one or, you know, on the East coast, that's a whole different question because on the East coast from day one, I've been saying it looks more like a pharmaceutical great cannabis, you know, cannabis industry than what you have on the West coast. So, um, you know, having that in mind, uh, it's going to be hard to speak on what's going to happen in Massachusetts, just because I do see them wanting to push a more pharmaceutical style. Whereas, you know, you have to have most likely a med card and you'll be purchasing from like a, you know, like a pharmacy type of setup. Um, so to sort of clarify with how like massive system sort of is. Um, so, I mean, we like, okay, so we legalized rec medical in 2012. It took about two and a half, three years to get the first medical dispensaries. And, um, and then after that, like, like a year later, we voted to legalize recreational. And so it's kind of, you kind of have like a bifurcation things going on because medical medical by the time recre the two recreational stores just opened in, in a couple weeks ago you already had about 40 medical dispensaries so the medical is a bit more developed than the recreational but that's yeah. kind of how it's been going so far yeah, by nature yeah yeah, yeah so i, I think, think medical is always the first infiltration of cannabis in the legal side it's always the medical <clears throat> aspect yeah but like if you talk to growers nowadays like you can be standing next to a quote-unquote medical plant and a recreational plant and they are the exact same plant so it's not like you're getting a different product um you might be paying a little bit less taxes with um, medical than you would rec but then you're also paying a higher fee up front for your licensing and that does take a you know a couple of months to process and you know sometimes you don't get approved um, by your doctor and things of that nature um, so I think that the stat that we pulled, it said that med has been dropping uh, significantly in Colorado for the, the last 19 months and that over 40,000 patients have dropped off the registry. Um, but there's still 88,000 patients, you know, still, you know, moving forward with the med card. But I think, yeah, definitely, you know, especially as prices continue to drop, especially in Colorado, there's just going to be a lack of incentive to move forward with a med card when you could be doing essentially the same thing through the rec side. Yeah. And to kind of add to that too, so the uh, the consumption data that comes back from dispensaries and, and kind of the purchasing habits of the consumers shows that a vast majority of people who even go to recreational dispensary are purchasing for medical or you know wellness benefits, whereas they're trying to alleviate stress, they're trying to alleviate pain, they're trying to sleep better. All things that can be categorized as medical, yet they can still fill those same exact needs on the recreational side. I mean, I first got into cannabis because I couldn't hardly sleep at night. So I found that taking an edible, you know, three days will help me sleep at night for those three days. And I don't have to take Ambien or you know, Tylenol PM or any of that stuff. So there's definitely uh, you know, I don't, I don't think having a medicinal need should have to, uh, you know, 
chain you have to have and to go to the medicinal side of the, the industry. Yeah. And I think those terms are probably going to change as this continues to evolve. I mean, technically, recreational and medical should be the same thing. I mean, we're using it all for the same purposes, most for the most part. Yeah, it's like that um, famous activist said, I think Dennis Perron, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correct. I think he was the guy who made uh, medical legal in Cali, who really pushed for it. He said that all uses, all use, all cannabis use is medical use. Do you sort of agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely yeah, yeah. No matter what. I mean, it's like, why do you go drink a beer? You know, it's the same thing. People can say go hang out with friends, but it's an icebreaker. It's because you know you have a hard time speaking or something. You know, all things to be tied back to you know medicinal. It's the same thing with cannabis. Mm -hmm. Even if you're saying you're just doing it to you know smoke it to recreationally consume, I guarantee at the end of the day, you're doing it to enhance your life, which is, you know, tied back to a wellness or, you know, a medicinal aspect, I guess you could say. So 100%. Yeah. And um, another sort of another sort of question I had. Um, so um, with with that, um, would like, let's say let's say that I'm a millennial that's fresh out of college and wants to work in the recreational or medical marijuana space, what would be the best way to set myself up to get hired and be well prepared to get a job in the industry? Uh, first and foremost, in Colorado, you need to get a, um, what's it called, a badge. Now, so you have to be badged and certified to work into the industry. So that's probably going to be your biggest barrier. And then from there, I mean, we just really encourage people to network and just understand the industry and the companies that you're trying to work with, learn more about what they have to offer and what their values are and see if they align with your own. And then just, you know, putting yourself out there and networking and speaking to other people just to kind of get you where you need to be is really the advice I would give to people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think at this point, too, a lot of people come in just lost and they end up in like a low-end position and, and not very happy. Um, so I, I think at this point, the industries for the most part are, are very mature. And even in Massachusetts, I already know some Colorado companies who were there who are very mature. And so they'll be opening up, you know, mature businesses in those states to where you can walk in. And if you have, uh, you know, transferable skills, you don't have to start off at, you know, a low-end position. If you're an accountant, great. You know, you can go get a job as an accountant in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. What you need to do, though, is just make those skills clear on your resume and, you know, find where you can make an impact. Even if you're, you know, if you're a sales manager or something, you, you know, still going to need sales there. If you're HR generalist or, you know, anything along, if you're a lawyer, you know, very much still needed. I think at this point, just start aligning yourself with, if that's the route you want to go, align yourself, find people, you know, in your area that are like-minded that are doing that, network, and uh, hang on tight, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, enjoy the <laughs> um, to sort of To sort of tack on to that question, let's say I'm a, let's say I'm an older, more established professional. So I've been working in a cubicle for, let's say, 20 years, and uh, my kids are nearly grown but um, I'm, not, I'm no longer finding fulfillment in my job or career, and I want to work in the medical or recreational industry. What, like, I mean, so, someone like that is going to be going at it from a different angle than someone around our age. What, what, what would you recommend to that person? I think a lot of it, because I've, I've worked with quite a few of those individuals now in, in my time where people have got tired of their day job or they're working retail or customer service jobs and they said, hell with this, you know, if I can make the same money in the cannabis industry, even doing a low-end job, who cares? And 
there's plenty of those people. I even met a couple last summer who um, they're retired and all they they were like, cannabis was new. You know, we had nothing to do. Uh, we were curious. So we got a badge and got in the industry and just, you know, we're trimmers just to get the experience just because it's fun. And then after their trim gig, into the, you know, for their fall harvest, they went on with their life and went back to traveling. Uh, the other end, if somebody needs a stable position, you know, I would say, you know, you know, be smart about it. If you have a good job now, you know, that has benefits and all that, don't jump because the reality of it is a lot of these new companies aren't going to have those same health benefits, uh, vacation structures, you know, pay bonuses, things like that to start. And, uh, you know, if you have a good job now with benefits, I highly encourage you to stay there until, you know, the companies have matured and they've kind of grown to where they can take that on. On the other end, if you're a risk taker and you want to help, you know, build those companies and say you have direct knowledge and how to, you know, establish companies and get benefits and, you know, run organized, you know, professional organizations, you know, go make that leap, go do it. Cause that's very much needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, really it's just depending on the individual and their risk level, where they're at and what they're looking for mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And the industry needs that balance. They need the balance of, you know, business professionals coming into the industry looking for a new skill set. And then those who've, you know, been in cannabis and kind of understand the plant to kind of help guide, um, you know, business minded people as well. So they definitely do need that balance. And we do still need that balance of, you know, the older generations and the younger generations as well. Some, some good, uh, some good knowledge to impart upon the, uh, listener I, I really i really appreciate um y- i really appreciate you taking the time to um to to interview me and to talk about what's sort of going out on out west being as you know m- m- um michigan just legalized and um i think missouri and utah just implemented medical themselves too so this is going to be new to a lot of of different people and you know it's it it's good to have a resource like you guys that tells people about the industry that tells people about that in that interviews various professionals and various people working at all levels of, of of cannabis and i guess my um the last thing i want to just mention to you guys is um you guys are going to be the 21st episode that i'm i'm doing so you yeah mm-hmm. So um yeah I just I just wanted to let you guys know you're my 21st episode and I really appreciate having you guys on and you guys taking the time to to talk. Absolutely yeah. man I, I appreciate you reaching out and and letting us be on to kind of share our side of things. We don't get to do this a lot so it's always fun to talk about you know what we've seen and what we've discovered in our journey. So so thanks for that and so stoked to be your 21st man. Yeah. And that's what we need. I mean, we need people like you and people like us who are, you know, in different demographics and geography areas that can, you know, be on the ground and kind of explain what's going on here locally and just kind of sharing that knowledge with other people. And like you said, as more states continue to legalize and move through this process, that's just a whole large group of people that need to be educated on cannabis. So that's the importance of our podcast and yours. So we really appreciate you reaching out and uh, allowing us to be on your show. Likewise. Um, I am. So what? So it's like four something right now, or is it five in Colorado? Yeah. Yep. yep. All right. Um, thanks again for for taking the time to be on the podcast, and um, I'm gonna continue listening to your podcast. I I love what you're what you guys are doing. Um, I I, I listened to the recent episode. Um, 
a while back about um about uh s social skills and um b building them up and um I, I really found that valuable and I'm going to try to get I'm going to try to get that book as well to sort of help me out as I'm making my way in the cannabis industry. Well, good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear. No, you're doing a podcast. Yeah. You're already like a step ahead. So that's the huge thing. It's on a social skills doing this. So And it's like organized networking. Like podcasting is seriously the best thing. So keep on yeah, doing you're on it. The right track, yeah. so keep doing it. Let us know if you need any help. And then, yeah, let us know. Um, are you guys, are you on social media at all um, for our listeners? Because we wanted to promote the episode as well. Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram at um, I am cannabis sativa. Okay. Um, and then I'm also I'm on Twitter at I C Sativa Podcast. Okay, perfect. And you're on Anchor, um, like iTunes and things like that. Yeah, I'm on Anchor, um, iTunes and Stitcher, as well as the Google Play Store. Okay, well, cool. Well, let us know if you need anything from us. Um, and then whenever the episode goes live, let us know, and we'll promote it on our end as well. Awesome. I, I really, I really appreciate it. Cool. Well, thank you. It was nice to meet you. Thanks, man. Have a good night. It was nice to meet you guys. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. They're going